Welcome to the Access VFX podcast, pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness and opportunity in VFX, animation and games industries. Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, founder and director of Access VFX, bringing the visual effects animation and games industry together, working towards a shared goal to make our industry more diverse and inclusive by taking action rather than just talking about it. Hello, I'm Simon, founder and director of Access VFX, and welcome to season two, episode 16 of the Access VFX podcast. On each episode of the pod, as you well know, we interview a different member of the VFX animation and games community and ask them the big 20 questions from the Access VFX vault. Every week, we invite talented folks from the world of visual effects animation and games, including heavyweights and those just getting started in the industry, and ask them about their journey from humble beginnings, big breaks and learnings, through to shamelessly mining their brains for career advice, and their thoughts on how we can create a more inclusive and diverse creative community. For our 16th episode, I had the pleasure of chatting to Chanel Beliveau, resource manager at DNEG all the way from Montreal. We discussed the subjects of management and leadership in some detail, the power of vulnerability and yet another interesting career path into the world of animation. Among lots of stuff, we also talk getting out of your comfort zone, setting boundaries and addressing the dangers of working long hours and how things are changing for the better post-pandemic. Anyway, I'm not gonna bore you with my ramblings. Uh, Pull up a chair. Grab a copper, and we very much hope you enjoy episode 16 of the Access VFX podcast. Hello and welcome to the Access VFX podcast, season two, episode 16. It's me, Simon, and our guest today has been in the VFX industry for eight plus years. With a BA degree in radio and television arts, she started her career as production assistant at MPC Film and then moved quickly into management, joining Atomic Fiction and then Method Studios, taking on positions such as Assets Department Manager or DM, Central Production Manager, and most recently as Resource Manager at DNEG. Access VFXers will have seen her join our Instagram Live last summer on dealing with chronic illness in the workplace. With a passion for leadership training, people, and an advocate for mental health support, it's the brilliant Chanel Bellevaux. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to speak with you today. It's great to have you back, yeah, Chanel. Yeah. Like I say, I, I almost forgot that you uh, did one of the, the few few Instagram lives for us uh, during lockdown. How was that for you? Oh, it was great. Your big I, debut. Yeah, it was really great. It was really great to um, give attention to dealing with chronic illnesses in the workplace. I think not a lot of people talk about it. Um, and Natasha Schumacher was the host for that. So she brought a lot of brilliant questions to bring uh, awareness. Yeah, it was a pleasure to talk about it. Brilliant. No, but it was important. It was an important conversation to have, particularly during during that period of time. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, a lot of people aren't, you know, working from home. It's important to check in on people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, thanks again, and it's great to have you back on the actual podcast. Yeah. We get a full a full forty five minutes to an hour to to chat and and, and take you through the uh, the twenty questions of the Access VFX. I love it. I'm here for it. Let's go. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So you're currently at DNEG. How, how are things at DNEG? Yeah, so I'm at DNEG Animation specifically. So I've been here almost a year. I absolutely love the team. We're very global. So I get to work with a lot of people across the globe from like London, Vancouver, India, and now Toronto. And yeah, just my colleagues and managers are just incredible people and working on animated projects. It's been, it's been a change from VFX, but a really nice change. Mm. So I'm really, I'm really, really loving it here. And how are you finding it? Do you find that working globally post-pandemic is easier now because we're all almost in our own little 
global bubbles, even if we're in the same the same country? Yeah, I would say for sure it's easier because now we have like Zoom and everything set up. People are used to mm. working from home, whereas before if someone worked from home and, you know, their kids would come in the background or their dog would bark, you know, we wouldn't be used to that. Whereas now we're very used to just talking to everyone on video. And I think it's also allowed us to create a lot of relationships with people globally that we wouldn't have had an opportunity to chat with, right? So like if I was dealing with someone in London, I wouldn't maybe be in a one-on-one Zoom call with them because I wouldn't be able to find an office space that consistently. So yeah, I think it's really great to build relationships globally. That's a really good point. I know the pain of trying to find a meeting room. Yep. <laughs> I remember when I spoke for the mill in, in London and the, the original space, we had arguably one meeting room. Yep. I think that was even a meeting room. So it was a constant battle. So uh, yeah, yeah we, we're in a perpetual meeting room now. Aren't yeah. We? We're spoiled. Yeah. I know the meeting room battles all too well from my PA days. <laughs> I don't miss that. <laughs> yeah. And catering, right? I mean, from a, my, my, my background's training. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, don't have to get kind of sandwich buffets in anymore. Yeah. Coffees and teas and, yeah. and uh, dietary requirements. It's just yeah. turn up on the Zoom. Yeah. No, it's, it's much more convenient and uh, easygoing for sure. Excellent. Excellent. So, so we've got you on the podcast now. This is episode 16. I can't quite believe we're there. And this is the first episode where I feel, and correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, Chanel, is this is the first time we're really speaking to somebody who can really talk about leadership and management, because this is something I'm hearing loud and clear at the place that I work. And I think we often forget the importance of good people skills, whether you're a line manager like, you know, you're doing appraisals and looking off people's development, or you've got to take people on a journey on a show or lead a job, you know, you might not be responsible for their Mm -hmm. career, but you've still got to show the right kind of, I guess, empathy and flexibility and vulnerability. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. I think leadership is such an important skill that's not always focused on. I think a lot, especially in this industry, focus a lot on artistic skills. And I always say like someone who moves up into a leadership role, you could be a great artist like a senior artist you could be amazing but maybe not so great of a leader because you really need that leadership skill and we have to make sure we support people moving into those positions to provide those skills for them and mentor them and understand how do you talk to people how do you be approachable how do you support them and I always tell my team like I don't work for you or sorry you don't work for me I work for you like I want to make sure you're happy that's my full-time job is to make sure you're happy here and happy artists produce great work and, and they stay for a long time and you create a great relationship long-term. So it's a very important skill to have. Excellent. Well, I've got a feeling we'll, we'll delve into that as yeah. we go through the, the questions. So should, should we do it? Should we, I should get, the, I need to think of better metaphors. When we started the idea of the Access VFX Vault, so I almost need to get my lock pick or get my the code combination, open the big, uh, the big steel doors of the vault and get into it. So let's open the vault. Yep with question one Chanel which is a nice easy one which is where in the world are you and where did you grow up? So I'm in Montreal Canada I grew up basically in Montreal Canada I was actually born in New Brunswick which is the east coast Uh, but yeah grew up born in well not born and raised but raised very much in Montreal I lived in Toronto for school and then I came back to Montreal and and fell into the VFX industry. Amazing a lot of snow in Montreal I hear. Too much (laughs) too much snow (laughs) I always question why my parents chose to live here but uh it's a beautiful city regardless of the snow <laughs> yeah and what was what gives a sneak peek into growing growing up in montreal you know what's it like to be a, a youngster with with uh, ambition and and, mm-hmm. and i mean montreal's a great city i grew up on the outskirts in the west island so it was a very like family neighborhood um, 
one of the great benefits of growing up here is you get to learn French. So I'm fluently bilingual, which has benefited me at the start of my career. And it's just a very culturally diverse city. Even growing up, you know, in my later years when I moved out on my own, getting out into like the old port, there's just so many things going on in Montreal. There's festivals. And then I got so lucky that the VFX industry happened to just explode in Montreal. Like, I don't know what the chances are of that, that my hometown, you know, VFX just grew from there. And I think over eight years, the industry itself in Montreal went from a good size to now just massive. Like all the studios are here. Yeah. Yeah. So good reason to stay put. Yeah. Not travel the world. Yeah. (laughs) Travel, but come back. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. So Chanel, so Chanel from Montreal, three words that describe you. What are the, what's the big three? One of my favorite questions on the, in the vault. I would say approachable, kind, and ambitious. Approachable, kind, and ambitious. Mm -hmm. Good choices. Tell me a bit about that then. So let's look at approachable. Why approachable is the first word out of the stocks? Um, Well, I'd say even just as a person or a friend, a lot of people tend to come to me, but especially in a manager position, I really want to exude that I am approachable to my team, no matter what their problem is, open door policy, whether it's, you know, work problem or a personal problem. I, I really hope that they feel safe to come to me. And I think that's important in any relationships. Yeah, and that feeds into kindness, right? Yeah, kind of. Almost kind of you create that safe space. Yeah. How do you create that, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. I think just to be kind and understand that at the end of the day, everyone's human. Right? Like we're all on our own mm-hmm. journey and uh, everyone's going through life. So, you know, it's just to have that empathy of, you know, again, to bring it back to being a manager, just have kindness and understand, yes, mm-hmm. this person's an artist, but they also have a personal life. What's going on there and how can we help support them in every aspect possible? Uh, and just being kind. Yeah, I think it's important. Do you think that's dialed up now, Chanel? So we, we talked a bit about kind of, we almost live in kind of pre-pandemic and post-pandemic mm-hmm. kind of frames of reference now. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always said over the, the last few years that it's kind of like, you know, as much as the pandemic has been tough for a lot of people to go through mm-hmm. from a management p- perspective, it's meant for the kind of the death of the micromanager. You can't micromanage yeah. people anymore. Yeah. And we've been let into people's lives right even just on a call like this you know you see your background my background you, you've got dogs and cats and kids running around you know and partners and do you feel like there's there is a requirement to be more empathetic i mean i meant use empathy term early to be kinder to be a bit more mm-hmm. yeah to be a better human being when it comes to management and not just be yeah. directed yeah i definitely think it's increased especially just um I'd say like an older, old school mindset before was like, hey, you have to come to the office nine to six, sit in your desk. You can't leave before six. Like there wasn't as much flexibility there. Whereas now, like you said, we're really like, I have a window into people's lives, right? Which just brings you a little bit more, I want to use the word intimacy with like, you know, your your team, like understanding, yeah. hey, you're in your living room. Oh, hey, that's your your kid. I never met them before. Or this is my dog. You know, my whole team knows my dog. They're like, where's Nova? <laughs> So I think, yeah, you definitely can bond with people stronger and it's definitely needed during the pandemic with mental health. A lot of people, though we enjoy working from home, a lot of people have struggled with, you know, the fear of not having stability in their career or just cabin fever at their own home. You know, we don't know their home situation. Some people really need to go to the office. So it's just really like learning to connect with people. I think uh, definitely it's gone up since the pandemic for sure. It's a really good point. I like that about learning to connect with people. Yeah. It's become as important a management skill as delegation and yeah. having difficult conversations and all the stuff that we've trained and coached for years. Yeah. It's just, you know, having deeper connections with people at work. Yeah, definitely. It's a great one. So we've got approachable and kind, which I very much think go hand in hand. 
and then ambitious. So is that the the ambitious person who wants to do great work, who wants to cl- keep climbing that ladder? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I learned in my career when I went from coordinator to manager is where I really learned that if you want something, you have to go for it. So a lot of my roles, I've actually done job descriptions for and pitched them to my previous managers and I got the role. So like that was really putting myself outside of my comfort zone to now the point where I'm comfortable pitching positions or I'm comfortable speaking on podcasts or or speaking on Instagram lives, whereas before I wasn't that kind of person. But yeah, I think just going into that management level really pushed me to be more ambitious and and there's really endless possibilities in this industry. So There really are. point you made about writing your own job description or just putting yourself out there. Yeah. I mean, that resonates with me because I mean, I've mentioned on the podcast a few times that my, my default mode is introversion. Like my okay. default mode is quiet. If the family go out for the day, I'm quite happy. I could stare at a blank wall for <laughs> two hours, quite happy with my own thoughts. Right? Yeah. And work, I, you know, I do this. I, you know, it's very much a, a visible role right. and, and often quite a standalone role. So it's always yeah. about making that choice, isn't it? Between, am I going to go for this? I'm going to take my destiny in my own hands. Yeah. Yeah. Or am I just going to kind of go with the flow and just kind of do what I'm told? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. I got it right. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's important to go <laughs> um, for it. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I think it's a really, really good point. And um, so what inspires you then? The next question from the Vulture now, what gets you out of bed in the morning? I would say people and my team. I just love helping people grow. Um, and pushing them to be the best they can be. And I say pushing in a way that there's a way where you have to be, what is the word someone told me one time? Assertive, but kind. You have to be assertive, but kind. So I understand, I see someone, I see their potential. And sometimes you have to just push them a little bit. Um, But what really helps me, like my passion is watching people grow and move up. Like I have a team of I brought them on as coordinators and now they're managers and now they actually joined me at DNEG and watching their career path grow has been really rewarding for me and see how they've developed into managers and helping them through situations that have been challenges. And same with if I have a coordinator who's really going through a struggle right now, really pushing him to the next level. It's great watching those stories unfold, isn't it? Yeah. When you, whether you launch careers or you've just had some involvement in their career yeah. trajectory. Yeah, you it's know, really rewarding. And you get to see that on, on platforms like LinkedIn, don't you? I mean, I've been in the game for 20 plus years now, nice. I mean, almost 25, and I've made a lot of different moves over the years and just seeing how people are getting elevated and doing their thing and lots of different levels. Yeah. People have gone off to teach. Some people have set up their own businesses. I mean, it's an amazing yeah. set of stories. Yeah, it's I love seeing even people who started in the industry with me now, they're like central production managers or head of resources or you know, one of my friends was an environment artist is now a VFX supervisor. Like, it's just so cool to see their career paths grow and, and uh, do it together too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We talk a lot about career paths on the pod and mm. talk a lot about kind of snaky career paths and how, you know, you think you're going to do one thing, particularly in VFX, right? Because mm-hmm. it's still such a, a new industry. It yeah. still feels very new, yeah. you know, I me mean, moving on from like you know, practical effects back in the day and special effects. Yeah. And there's just still so much to play for. It's changed so much. In the short time I've been in the industry, I've only been in the industry, what, seven, you know, eight, no, eight years, probably say about the same as UV effects. Yeah. And see it go from almost traditional post-production all the way through to immersive and yeah. different styles of animation. And it's incredible, incredible yeah. time to get into the industry, isn't it? Yeah, it's just going to keep growing. There's so many opportunities. I think uh, it's a really, it's really a great industry to be in. We're very lucky. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. So thanks for that. So now we're going to get into, uh, we've gone from all the really lovely stuff around what describes you and inspires you into uh, 
meeting alien life forms and explaining <laughs> to them what you do for a living. Yes. So what's the explanation? Um, I would say I support people in being the best that they can be and making sure that they are happy. And I say support because I don't want to use the word manage because back to that, like micromanage, I feel like I don't manage people. I'm just there to support them. That. Yeah. That's the simplest way to say it. That's, that's one of the best answers we've had. Yeah. Don't, yeah. I agree with you. I hate the term manager. Yeah. It makes me sound like I work in a widget factory. Yeah. Like I'm going to put you here and there, you know, where it's like, no, I'm just here to support you. Hmm. You tell me what you want to do in life and I'll, I'll give you the tools and, and let's, let's help you grow. Right. Support, guidance. That's why you're there. Right? Yeah. It's like mentoring. If you're a mentor, mentor is about keeping somebody on the right track, yeah. isn't it? So it's about you providing the tools for that to happen. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. I love that. Yeah. yeah you didn't get into any VFX stuff. Brilliant. Yeah. I've had too many of those. <laughs> I've, I've had some of the longest ones ever on previous previous episodes. So I love that. Yeah, I'm it's a beautiful in simplicity. Not a very techie job, right? But I mean, I used to. I come from a production background, mm -hmm. but I've been in management for so long that just leadership and, and supporting the team. You're absolutely right. And, and you're, you're in good company yeah. because my role is very much to support people. Yeah. It's not about, you know, there are enough amazing, talented people oh, yeah. who make the magic happen on screen, yeah. but it's providing platforms to to make that happen. So uh, yeah, it's, it's equally important for sure, mm -hmm. if not more. Mm -hmm. So going back to your formative years in Montreal then, in Chanel, mm -hmm. what did you want to be when you grew up? Ooh, what was the big it. ambition when you were little? <laughs> I love this question. I actually want to be a pediatrician. <laughs> And then I wanted to be a vet. Like, I just wanted to help people. And then I wanted to help animals. And then I went to college and I realized I hate science. I was like, I don't like math. I don't like science. I love organizing. Uh, and yeah, in, um, in Quebec, we do high school and then you do CEGEP. So like two years of college. And it's kind of like an intro into career path. And I took a radio course. And then from that, I just decided this is what I want to do. I love radio. Yeah. I mean, that's why I love podcasts so go. much. I worked in radio for a bit. Oh. I worked for commercial radio, which I, I loved that, that so environment. Yeah, that's so fun. So was that your first taste of kind of creative industry to coin a, coin a phrase? Yeah, I did that. And then in Montreal, we had um, Virgin Radio. So I was on the street team <laughs> ah, cool. where nice. I went to a lot of Montreal events and kind of just like promoted the street team. And then from there, yeah, straight into university. I love that. And I, lo I love that kind of ambition to to help mm -hmm. to, yeah, again it kind of is it's in your dna yeah yeah so you didn't make it as a vet no i didn't so i have a dog and uh, that's where we settle there <laughs> there you go there's a compromise <laughs> yeah. there's a compromise for sure no. so moving into getting older so that's when when you were little so getting into kind of college <laughs> routes you know what made you choose the uh, the college or university that you went to yeah so i went to ryerson uh, ryerson university in toronto they had a really great radio television arts program so when I realized I wanted to do media, I really didn't want, I mean, I say this, I didn't want like a nine to six office job, even though I'm kind of in an office job, right? Yeah. But RTA, Radio Television Arts, they had a very like hands-on program and it was a very small admission. So I think we were about a hundred students, like that's it. And they had a full studio with like cameras and we were doing very like hands-on things. So that really interested me. And then moving to Toronto as well, there was a lot more on-set opportunities. So I worked on a few TV shows and music videos on set. Um, so yeah, that's basically why I chose Ryerson. Cool. So, so moving on from uni then, yeah, getting into what you would consider to be your big break. Mm -hmm. You know, what for you is was the big break for you? Do you think has got you to where you want? So I would say I actually worked at Chorus Entertainment, which was Teletoon. It's a cartoon channel here, and the reason I got the job other than, you know, like being a, a hard worker was that I spoke French. 
And in Toronto, they needed a bilingual person to review um, the spots in French. So I got that job and that kind of got me my first, you know, name on the resume working in media as a coordinator. And then I wanted to come back to Montreal and MPC gave me an opportunity as a PA. And that's really where, you know, you get your first opportunity in the industry. You're like, whoa, I'm working on movies. My name's going to be on the big screen. Like this can't be real. So yeah, I worked at MPC Goosebumps was my first movie with uh, Jack Black. And that was, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was my first intro to VFX. So is, is animation been at the heart of the kind of companies that you, you thrive in? Because obviously that's what you're, you're doing at DNEG now in many ways. Yeah, not so much, honestly. Like after, after Goosebumps, I've worked on The Martian, Suicide Squad, Ghost in the Shell, kind of those projects. Atomic was Woman of Marwin with Steve Carell. Uh, but yeah, animation just always kind of, it's just so fun and lighthearted. So when I got an opportunity to join DNEG, it was just, it was a no-brainer. And they just did yeah. Ron's Gone Wrong, which I love. Um, yes, of course. Yes, great movie. Yeah. So but there hasn't been too much animation. Like MPC at the time was very VFX heavy. And then my previous studio as well was very VFX heavy. Because I quite like that career arc from your big break being on a, a cartoon yeah. show all the way through to kind of DNA animation on, on Ron's Gone Wrong. Yeah. yeah, full circle. That's pretty cool. Quite poetic. <laughs> okay, so this is the geeky bit. I always quite enjoy the geeky bit. Whatever walk of life anyone's from, this isn't just for the re the realm of the, uh, the artist mm -hmm. is is a bunch of questions on the content because we all do we all work in this industry because we love yeah. the shows and we love moving image right so what is your favorite show that you've been involved in that you've been a part of favorite show that i've been a part of i would have to say honestly suicide squad <laughs> really? i just really I don't know why I really enjoyed that first movie. It was my first movie it was like kind of action superheroes. I really was owning, I was the environments coordinator. So I was owning all the environments at the time. So that was really a big deal for me. Uh, you know, just setting up the cities and the environments and, and working with my own lead and my team. But I'd say Suicide Squad was probably one of the favorite ones for me. Yeah, I always feel that's an underrated movie as well, yeah. Suicide Squad. Yeah. Didn't do well in the, with the critics, did it? But I quite enjoyed it as well. Yeah, a it wasn't my favorite movie to watch, like if I'm being yeah, honest, but it was my wise. favorite experience, my favorite team, my first ownership of like, you know, this is my environment team and we're building the environment for Suicide mm -hmm. Squad. Yeah. But was it, I guess, first big credit on a big, big movie, big property? Yeah. My first Arguably. credit was actually Goosebumps. That was the big one. Okay. And, uh, That's pretty big. Yeah, right? that one and, and The and Martian. The Martian as well was good. Matt Damon. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah, that was a yeah, big I mean, one. I think, so, I think I can see why you're drawn, drawn to a film like Suicide Squad because it is, like you say, the big big, big superhero. Yeah. It's quite, yeah, exactly. It's a big, mm -hmm. you know, it was a big deal made about it at the time. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, crikey, yeah. Yeah, you know, The Martian, yeah. what, what a movie. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the kind of the most challenging job then. So what's the show that challenged you the most we, we used to call this the worst job and we've switched it to more positive so where you've got your learnings from um honestly i would say like the the most challenging job was probably being a production assistant into like starting as a coordinator because you really have i had no clue what i was getting into so you're really just you come in as a, a fresh uh, fresh eyes learning what is a pipeline what is oh i have to do calendar oh oh there's overtime involved like i didn't i thought it was a nine to six job i quickly learned that yeah. was not the case back then especially assuming yeah yeah so that was a bit of a challenge just a lot of hours like i think that was hard but i would say mostly yeah being a pa and to to coordinator 
And then at one, one point as well, I was a coordinator on Jumanji and NPC. I was, we were also doing a pitch for a project. Uh, which I don't know if they got it in the end, but I was basically coordinating two projects with a very small production team. And I think I was working, I was in meetings from nine to 7 p.m. straight, no breaks. And if you watch the previous Instagram live, I'm type one diabetic. So we literally would have the PA bring me juice boxes into the theater because my blood sugar would start to drop and I couldn't leave. And that's when I realized maybe this isn't the healthiest <laughs> for me. That's nuts. I mean, yeah, when I worked, when I started Envision Effects, I mean, I was very aware of the, the, the hours people worked. Yeah. I mean, listen, we don't, we, I've not shied away from it on podcasts. Yeah. We ran a number of early podcast pre pre pandemic, you know, on, uh, on mental health and, yeah. and support for, for, you know, anybody who works on shows because it can be grueling. And whether, I don't know whether do you feel things that I think, do you feel the tides turning a little bit in terms of the hours and the support that people have? Because when I started, it always felt like you had departments like yours that were there to make sure people took breaks, were supported, yeah. uh, had time off in lieu after shows to, yeah. you know, regenerate yeah i think it's definitely going better i can speak at least for production i know when i started doing overtime like for example overtime wasn't paid for us and i was doing like 80 mm. hours a week uh i think now there's much more awareness and, and production specifically has started to speak up a little bit more for their value and compensation uh, mm. and i always say like i think the mentality back in the day was if you want to make it in this industry you have to stay here for 16 hours yeah. or you're not going to make it like that's just what it was and now we have mm -hmm. the mindset where it's like, let's not set that as, as an example. Like you working 16 hours, sure, it's great, but that's not going to be impressive to me. I'd rather you set your boundaries mm -hmm. and I'd rather you not burn out. And that's why I tell yeah. my team, come to me when you start to feel a little bit burnt out and let's work on a solution rather than it's too late. Then you go on burnout for a month and then we're really in a situation that's challenging and you're in a situation that's painful. <laughs> so yeah, we're much more preventative now. Yeah. And it just doesn't help anyone. I mean, yeah, being, like you said, being in meetings nine till seven constantly, oh, no, yeah. everybody has their flow and then you start to just become kind of dead inside. <laughs> Nobody's achieving. Yeah. You're not, yeah. you're not problem solving and being creative. No. That, you know, in your kind of six, seventh meeting of, yeah. of the day without a break. Well, that's it, right? Like you need to, to fuel yourself a little bit, literally too. You need to eat, <laughs> you know, you need a break to breathe so that you can perform the best that you can rather than just draining yourself and hating your life, that's not going to be fun for anyone. To your point earlier about, you know, it's not nine to five anymore. People work lots of different times, whether whatever your personal situation yeah. is, if you've got, yeah, it's okay to go and pick the kids up from school now, mm -hmm. do the school run, yeah. you know. I went to my son's spring festival at the start of school the other day. Yeah. I just dropped him off and I was there for an extra half an hour. Yeah. I mean, if I'd done that back in the old days, I would have walked into the studio to a few eye rolls and, yeah. you know, yeah getting accusations of being a part-timer yeah so i think uh, yeah I, I hear that yeah there's much much more flexibility now for people who have their personal life i was talking to one of the producers yesterday and they were saying like i like working from home because i can do my laundry over my lunch break or i can mm. walk my dog <laughs> and then my weekends are actually for enjoying like life it's yeah. not just like i remember you know i used to work six days a week sometimes seven so sundays you're like oh i have to use this sunday to do my laundry and cook food and then back to work so you're really not living Whereas now, yeah, packing it all in yeah. you know, to all your life admin in two days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a positive thing for sure. Cool. So let's move into some VFXy questions. Who is your Who's your VFX hero? So this one's interesting to me because I'm not an artist. So I would say someone yeah. in the industry who I really look up to and I consider a mentor is actually Natasha Schumacher, who previously interviewed me on Ask oh, Access yes. VFX. She's yes. just 
such a empowered female in the industry and she's very confident. She's given me a lot of great advice. She kind of is like a go-getter and she finishes everything, every project to the end that's admirable. And she's just very passionate about uplifting people. So she's someone that definitely consider a mentor in the industry. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I love a name check on the podcast. Yeah. Always good. Yeah. Always good to get some name checks, get it in the show notes for sure. Yeah. So what about on the shows then? What's uh, What would you consider to be the best piece of animation or, or VFX shot you've ever seen? Oh, that's a big question for, for a non-artist yeah, person. Um, the best shot, one, the best shot. I'll speak to like the recent movies that I've seen that I thought are really cool. And my partner is very into movies. Like he's much more of a nerd out, like in my office, we have all his Star Wars collections, and I don't <laughs> know all the characters. But I would say recently we watched Spider-Man No Way Home and The Eternals. The Eternals, The Eternals, I find the VFX in that just incredibly beautiful. Interesting. Yeah. We'll see that. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's amazing. We actually watched it three times. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's a good uh, good answer. And to be honest, I agree with you. Like, I'm I I've never sat on the box, but yeah. I love talking about the shows yeah. uh, for sure so is there a show and it can and it can be any any uh, format episodic mm -hmm. feature whatever a show that stands out as a masterclass, whether it be animation or vfx you know what is the show for you mm -hmm. can be an old ray harry house and thing from back in the day all the way through to ron's gone wrong but what for you is a the, the pinnacle of the awful um, it's so funny you say ron's gone wrong because i was going to say ron's gone wrong i think is a great a great animation film and i think dneg itself like that was the first animation movie that we released i joined the team after it was released but i can see how much the team learned from ron's gone wrong and how much we're able to use that in our current projects moving forward it was a great learning experience for dneg and i think it put dneg animation on the map so yeah ron's gone wrong is a really great one yeah it was a great it was a great show i mean so it, it had that really nice non-pixar quality to yeah. it i always find like a, there's a lot of animation out there that tries to emulate pixar yeah. so it had that really nice kind of charm to it yeah. a little bit almost a little bit stop motion in parts yeah yeah it's a great film and there's so much great messaging in it too right for kids like mm. it's yeah i really love it and it's really funny yeah it's so cute I, loved it. I love animated films so great oh yeah me too me too and then we get old okay so we're moving into the last geeky geeky question and then we're going to get into the advice and all the juicy stuff that i'm sure our listeners yeah. trying to get into industry will be uh, clamoring for but the last geeky question is best character design. Is there a great character realized for you that you'd like to shout character out? Character design. I'm trying to think that there's some that I worked on specifically in my um, career. I know in Goosebumps, we did a lot of creatures. Uh, I don't remember them all by now because it was eight years ago, but that was a really great experience. And then again, back to the Eternals, <laughs> the deviants that were created in there. I don't know what company worked on the Eternals or who created the deviants, but just all overall incredible creatures. You should definitely check it, it out. Now. Yeah, I would recommend it this weekend. Let me know. <laughs> At the end of every podcast, there's always something added to my watch list, which is uh, I hardly have any time, but I will make a point to watch the Eternals for sure. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to rewind and we're going to get back into the advice stuff. Mm -hmm. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever received, Chanel? What's the, what's the golden nugget that you hold dear? The best piece of advice I've ever received is um, my dad always told me that I don't want to misquote him. But you control your own destiny. I think that's kind of what it is. So really just, if you want something, go for it. And you, you own that. Don't be afraid of it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, something I've learned recently is the idea that you, you always have choice. Mm -hmm. like you can't always control what happens, but you always choose 
what you do, the reaction you have, you know, whether you you take something personally or whether you see it as an opportunity to grow and evolve. So I completely hear that as yeah. great advice. Yeah. And I love a bit of dad advice as well. Nothing wrong with that. So he's definitely my uh, career guru in the background. <laughs> now I think we all need a good, good father figure going on there for sure, or mother figure. Yeah. Or just a paternal, maternal, yes. whatever. I'm trying to find the collective Hopefully. noun for parent. Yeah. I'm just going to go parents or parents. Yeah. yeah. I always keep digging. I just keep digging. <laughs> so one of my favorite questions is the imposter syndrome question. Mm -hmm. Have you ever felt out of your depth, or that you are faking it till you make it? Yes. A hundred percent. And I, I read that question. I was like, how do I overcome that? I don't know quite yet, to be honest. I think it's just learning to trust in yourself and understand that that your team has put you in a position because they believe in you, right? Like there's a reason that you're yeah. there. And if there's something that you feel insecure about, like I would say, dig deeper. Why do you feel the imposter syndrome? Okay, well, I don't feel like I have this particular knowledge. Why is that? Can I get that knowledge? Uh, and just dig deeper into why and start to fill up that space a bit. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for not breaking the record because everyone has said they suffer from imposter syndrome, yeah. literally every, every guest. Yeah. And the more I hear it, the more, and I've said this on previous episodes, mm -hmm. so forgive me loyal listeners if I'm repeating <laughs> myself, but I find it's good. It's a good thing yeah. to have it. Yeah. I think it keeps you humble. It keeps you grounded. It, it stops you believing your own hype. It keeps you hungry to grow. Yeah. Cause I don't think anybody ever really achieves mastery. No. Nobody ever gets to a point where they're yeah. the full set of skills and they can go, right, I'm out. I'm done now. Yeah. I can retire, you know? Yeah. No, it's good to always have a bit more like drive and ambition. I've even worked with some of my managers who I've looked up to are very high up in a company. And even then mm. they're like, Oh, I'm just kind of giving this a try. Like I'm just a regular yeah. person. You're like, oh, okay. So it goes to all levels. Oh, I love hearing that from really senior people yeah. as well. Like, you know, when, when senior people demonstrate like chief executive level, when they, they demonstrate that vulnerability yeah. and they just go, you know, we, we're all just doing our best out here. You yeah, know? no, totally. I think there's something really, really nice to hear. It's good to be transparent and honest. I remember someone recently at GNAG is in a, I think she's a VP or something. And she said, Hey, it's my first time in an exec role. And I really don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm going to learn. And I think that's so real and it's good for people to see that, you yeah. know? It's about being authentic over exactly. perfect, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And, you would get, and from a leadership point of view, sorry to geek out with leadership yeah. stuff. But <laughs> no, I love it. That's the stuff that you gravitate to is when you work for people. Yeah. Is somebody who's authentic, who owns their stuff. You know, yeah. I think that's so, so attractive. Definitely. Yeah. So we've got another hypothetical. We've met aliens. Now we're going to go back in time to visit your teenage self yes. at any point during your teenage years. And uh, the advice you would give your teenage yeah. self, what would it be? Oh man, this really had me thinking. <laughs> I would say just to stop stressing about the future, like it's going to work out, you know, and just work hard and the good things will come to you, you know, because I think sometimes we, we focus so much on like, I want this and this is at least myself. I'm a planner. I'm like, in five years, I'm going to do this. And this is going to happen when it's like, okay, this is yeah. my goals. Now let that, just let those goals be there and work and let the opportunities come and say yes to what you can I'd say yeah, stress had... less. <laughs> That's the biggest one. Stress less. It'll be fine. Ah, dress, dress less and say yes. There you go. There we go. We've got, an, we've got another, go. I always like to get through a podcast with a good t-shirt slogan. I love so it. <laughs> that might, that might make the range. There you go. That, that's great advice to give anybody for sure. Mm -hmm. So is there anything you wish you'd known when you were starting out, apart from stressing less and saying yes? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, that's that's going to stick now. Yeah. Something I wish, I, wish I had known that I could that I could achieve or obtain the opportunities that I wanted. I think when I started in the industry, 
I had a lot of self-doubt. And I'll, at one point, I think I was a PA on The Martian and I did a 24-hour shift. And I remember 25 hours or something. And I was just like in the office crying <laughs> for no reason. I was just tired. And um, I, I honestly, I had gotten into nursing, just like bring it back a bit more. I got into nursing before I got into this. And I was like, why am wow. I here till, till you know, 9 a.m. and I'm not helping anyone? like where I could go be a mm. nurse and save lives. And I actually was going to reapply to nursing school, uh, you know? So I think it's just to stick it through, but also to stand up for yourself and set boundaries. Like it's okay to say, no, I can't work these hours. It's okay to say, no, I deserve yeah. more or I'm worth more. And I only learned that later in my life when I, when I went to Atomic Fiction and I had a really great manager with me who kind of believed in me. So. Yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? We talked about kind of saying yes to opportunities, but there's some real power in saying no sometimes. Yes. Like, you know, like you say, having boundaries. And it feels like a, feels like a new thing. There's a lot of new stuff. I'm, I mean, I'm getting old now. <laughs> I'm learning all this stuff in my late 40s about boundaries and uh, pushing back. And you don't yeah. have to do everything and say yes to everything and do yeah. all the stuff because you're just, again, you just end up burning out. And then it goes back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, your time becomes this, you know, condensed day a week in yeah. some cases it might be a sunday where you've got to do all your life stuff yeah you know, whatever your, your personal situation is so i think there's so much there's so much to explore there yeah sure. yeah it's definitely okay to set boundaries i even say like i have some people who come to me who will be like you know what i i feel i've done this effort and i deserve a raise or i deserve this and, I, mm. and i'm like yes ask for it you know like i'm here for it. i can't promise i'll get it for you but like good for you for asking and i'll try you know exactly exactly that's why it's important to have Good, good leadership. And like you said at the start of the podcast, good managers who get rid of, we should change. We've got to think of, of another collective now, yeah. like supporters. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we are get that support, yeah. that space to grow. And yeah, yeah. that's so important. Love that. So what would you change about the industry? What magic one time, Chanel? Um, so I would say, again, that mindset of just like having boundaries is okay. To be successful, you don't have to kill yourself. It's like learn to work smarter, not harder, right? You can still yeah. get the job done. I've said before, we pay for brain power, not seat warmers, right? Like <laughs> I want to know you You can do your skill set. I trust in you. You're a grown adult. You're going to get the job done. If you have to step out to walk your dog, that's okay. If you have to, you know, like I'm trusting in you to get the job done where, where you can, especially yeah. working from home. Like yeah. you said, micromanagement is dead. So you have to trust yeah. in the team. Um, so yeah, work smarter, not harder. I prefer brain, uh, brain power, not seat warmers. Yeah, that's, that's my new favorite slogan. Yeah. I'm, so I'm taking all of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that idea of presenteeism. And again, it's very much a kind of product of, I think it was a product of early pandemic mm -hmm. working as well. Mm -hmm. so I started a new job previous to the one I'm in now in lockdown. And I walked myself, mm -hmm. you know, because I was new. And I, almost because I wasn't there, you almost had to kind of prove yourself even more. Mm -hmm. When you're new in a role, you've got to, you know, you've got to prove yourself. When you're working from home back in the day, the mindset was, well, I'm at home, so I've got to literally justify being at home now. Yeah. You know, otherwise people are going to think I'm playing my PlayStation all day. Yeah. So with all that, yeah, it's almost kind of, almost got worse a little bit for me anyway. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's kind of leveled out now where you can take ownership of your day because we're two and a half years into this yeah. now. So you have to perform and you have to deliver, yeah. but you do it your way and on your terms, yeah. which um, I think is really powerful. But yeah. very important. I mean, that's another, we're going to, we're going to sell a range of access for your fixed t-shirts. <laughs> okay, great. Okay? I'm just, I'm Let me know. Here, right here, right now. We're going to go to these ones, which are just the logo. Great. We're going to get various podcast quotes. Send me one. <laughs> that's all. Well, don't you worry. You'll get full credit. We'll get a free one. Sweet. We won't charge you. <laughs> 
Okay, we're getting into uh, close to the big finish now. Mm. So we've got two more questions to go out of the big 20. And question 19 is what we call the industry advice question. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing we can do as a step towards a more inclusive and diverse industry. Yeah. So as I spoke previously on the, the IG Live, I think understanding people with disabilities and, and chronic illnesses, because a lot of people have them, especially invi invisible ones. And it's making people feel comfortable to want to talk about it and for also us to be interested in learning. You know, people come in in all walks of life and there's no reason why they can't be in this industry, whether you are, you know, diabetic or if you are uh, deaf or, you know, there's any reason that you feel you can't go in there. It's our job as management, especially to, to accommodate them. So I think learning more about people and the challenges that they have in life. And I would say more specifically chronic illnesses and how we support them. Yeah, it's, it's so important, isn't it? I mean, the whole like the whole uh, kind of thing around neurodiversity as well. We did a podcast way cool. before pandemic around kind of uh, Asperger's and autism. And, and there's so many, isn't there, invisible yeah. kind of impairments and disabilities that people yeah. are, either aren't educated about yeah. or just don't know about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think there's sometimes people like, I've managed someone previously who had Crohn's and, um, you know, she wasn't mm. necessarily comfortable telling people about it until she realized, oh, she's diabetic and we would have a lot of heart to hearts and you struggle with like, yeah. hey, I have to compete with the person that shows up 60 hours a week. But me physically, I can't like if I'm in pain, I can't show up and I shouldn't be yes. punished for that. Right. I should be treated equally to the person who does show up at the same time. And do people historically, because I mean, I'm not an expert on this, but almost don't declare that. They almost feel like they, they, they keep it as a secret because they don't want to be judged for it. So or it will impede their career. So it becomes this kind of like ele not having an elephant in the room, is it? Yeah. It's just the thing that you almost cripples you, you know, yeah. by not sharing it with the people that can ultimately support you. Well, yeah, because you don't want to be seen as different or that you can't do the job, right? Compared to someone else who can, you know, do longer hours or whatnot. And you're like, well, no, I need to step aside or I need to go to a doctor's appointment. You don't want to be seen as someone who won't be present but i i would encourage people to speak up and say if they're comfortable right like don't ever feel forced to talk about it but if you're at a company who makes you feel bad about that then maybe i would ask you to question is this the company for me right because it's not always you are you right for the company but is it's is the company right for you as well yeah i think you're right it's uh, when we're living through the, the, the what is it the great resignation at the moment <laughs> so i think you've got to yeah do what's right yeah. for you at the end of the day yeah and that's why it's important to be surrounded by people that have got your back. Totally. Yeah. Career advice question. The big one, the big finish. Question 20, your nuggets of advice for anyone trying to get into this industry. Yeah. So I would say just go for it. Message people on LinkedIn who, you know, if there's a recruiter that you're looking for an entry level position, hey, I'm available. Is there any openings? Just go apply for the jobs that you need to reach out to people in hiring management positions. So, for example, if you're interested in getting into production, at DNEG, like send myself a message or like the production team manager on the VFX side, you know, like sometimes we get a lot of messages on LinkedIn. So there's not a guarantee that you're going to get a response, but that one chance that you do is worth it. And I would say also just say yes to any opportunities of like volunteer and internships. That's what got me into a lot of stuff, interning for the radio station. I interned for the Maryland Dennis show in Toronto, you know, CTV shows. Now they're paid, I'm pretty sure, but just getting that experience is going to help a lot on your resume. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the, uh, the changes as well. We need to make sure that all internships and volunteer opportunities are, are at least paid something, right? Yeah. So it's always good to <laughs> make sure there's, yeah. there's, there's something to add at the end of it. Definitely. Of experience. 
but yeah that's great advice and you know there's a piece in there about networking isn't there yeah. about getting being visible you know putting yourself out there getting in touch with folks i mean yeah you know Link, linkedin's a great resource for connecting with studio recruiters and and uh and, and education you know i always say one of the pieces of great piece of advice i remember who it was it was when i was working at the mill it was when you go to see a film or you watch something on tv you watch the credits mm -hmm. and don't just target the, the the senior artists or the creative directors actually start targeting the the uh the mid-level yeah. artists or the junior artists because yeah. they're the people who can help you with your next step yeah. because they've done it yeah. in recent memory yeah. so i think that's always a so that that kind of networking as well don't just kind of hammer the recruiters yeah no definitely even like if there's a pa at a company you know or you know someone who's a pa they might have direct contact with their hiring manager and say hey someone reached yeah. out to me they seem really great you never know right exactly Brilliant. Wow, we did it. Yay. We got through all 20 questions of the Ask 3FX Vault. So I'm going to close the vault. Q sound effect. <laughs> and and we're done. Chanel, thank you so much for joining us thank on you. the Access 3FX podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. You. Do you have anything you want to leave our audience with? Any parting words? Anything you want to plug? Oh, plug. No, I don't have anything to plug. I, I don't have any parting words, I guess, particularly. And have a great day. Thank you. It's been so great talking with you. And if anyone has questions for me or they wanted to reach out for advice or career opportunities, you can message me on LinkedIn. I guess that's, that's my plug. You can message me on LinkedIn, Chanel Bellabelle. I love helping people. So I'm happy to give advice or, or connect people where I can. Amazing. There you go. Well, it's, okay. it's here now. It's recorded. You can't turn back. You're going to get, you're going to get no messages from our millions of listeners. <laughs> But Chanel, thank you so much for joining us. It's thank been a pleasure you. talking with you and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank Stay you. Stay the snow. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Simon. Have a great day. Well, that was episode 16 of the Access VFX podcast. Another content-rich conversation. Thank you, Chanel. Quick plug. You can hear more from Chanel on our Instagram feed at Access VFX from last summer's AVFX webinar dealing with chronic illness in the workplace. We mentioned it on the pod. You should go check it out. It's all there on the Insta feed. Anyway, before you go, a couple of things. Please go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, subscribe and leave us a review if you fancy it. And most importantly, please get involved with our Foundry-sponsored global e-mentoring program. If you're in the UK, USA, Canada, Australia or New Zealand, you can sign up for free to get an industry mentor or be a mentor yourself to folks aspiring or just getting started in visual effects animation or games. Go to www.accessvfx.org forward slash mentors and change someone's life. Thank you, Chanel, for being another wonderful guest. Thanks to Tom Box for producing it and for the graphics. And of course, thanks to you for listening. Come join me next week where we speak to yet another inspiring member of our community. Mm -hmm.